George Haruza's family was able to escape the Holocaust and a communist dictatorship. And since coming to Missouri, Haruza has been able to establish himself as a successful dermatologist. But can Haruza's compelling personal backstory catapult him to the Missouri State Senate? The St. Louis County Republican joins us to make the case on why he should represent the 24th District on another edition of Politically Speaking. Let's hit the music. This is the Politically Speaking podcast, the definitive show about Missouri politics. We have to talk about things that matter to people. I've tried to bring that same aggressive iconoclast style with me to uh, the United States Senate. I think my district is a model for the state. We put Missourians first. You just kind of have to find the common ground with people. I believe that this district deserves someone who represents their values. After I came back to St. Louis, I started thinking that I could have a bigger role on the change that I wanted to make. And welcome to Politically Speaking. I'm your host, St. Louis Public Radio's Jason Rosenbaum. Sarah Kellogg is deeply immersed in the special session this week, so I am flying solo with our guest today. He is the Republican nominee in Missouri's 24th Senatorial District. George Haruza. Thank you so much for joining us today. So who are you and why does Missouri politics interest enough is, is interesting enough for you to run for the Missouri Senate? Well, I'm uh, uh, Dr. George Haruza, and uh, my story really starts all the way back to uh, Second World War. I'm a son of a Holocaust survivor. My mother survived the Holocaust. Her family, both parents and all four grandparents were killed in Auschwitz. She survived. She was liberated by Patton 71st Infantry, um, May 4th, 1945. So without the Americans' soldiers' uh, bravery and compassion, I wouldn't be here. So I have a great sense of gratitude to the United States. I grew up in communist Czechoslovakia, and uh, ultimately we escaped from there to come to the United States. And um, both my parents, and we, we initially arrived with a suitcase and, uh, and uh, pretty much nothing else, uh, living in a four-story walk-up studio apartment in, in the New York City. And ultimately my parents uh, became physicians. I, I became a physician. My sister became a physician. I became a dermatologist and ultimately president of the American Academy of Dermatology and Missouri State Medical Association, which wouldn't be possible in any other country in the world. When did you decide that it was the right time for you to jump into this contest? Well, I've, um, I've not been comfortable with the direction we've been going. I grew up in that socialist system, which is a very tightly regulated world where everybody's equal but equally poor except for the elites as well as a world of uh, indoctrination censorship uh, terror now i'm not saying that that is what's happening quite here but some of the tendencies that uh, that this country has been going in on both sides of the uh, both sides of the um, of the aisle really the extremes uh, really has um, got me very worried about us uh, heading in the wrong direction. The, the United States is the land of opportunity, and I've had that opportunity, and I want to really make sure that my kids, your kids, all of uh, you know, our f- future um, have, uh, have that opportunity going forward. 
Before redistricting, the 24th district was looking like a very safe district for Democrats. But now the new configuration, which essentially goes up and down I-270, is seen as a much more competitive district because it includes very Democratic cities like Maryland Heights and fairly Republican ones like Fenton. Did that provide you with a with a jump to get into the race that this is a race that you could actually win? Uh, certainly, uh, uh, we we uh, didn't. I, I filed f- for the race after we had the redistricting numbers, which which do show just as you mentioned, it's a it's a very north is very democratic, south is very republican, and the middle is a mixture. So um, the district is, um, is, is really very evenly balanced. And uh, I think that's, that's very good because that actually helps us have a real discourse uh, as far as um, on issues. Some of the districts in Missouri are very hard Republican or hard Democrat. You end up then having very extreme situations. So this district is really right in the middle. So I remember when you filed, a lot of Republicans were very excited, and you were pretty much the consensus candidate to run against Representative McCreary. But you had a primary, and my understanding is you did not sleepwalk through this primary. How, how was that experience, considering that was basically your first election you've ever run in? Well, I think um, uh, having a primary challenger was a godsend. It really uh, helped me and and our team to really hone our skills and uh, and develop a really good uh, good approach. Also gave me an opportunity to meet with a lot of voters, maybe earlier than I might have, and communicate with them and find out what they are what they are interested in. Because it's really ultimately it's about the voters, the residents of the district that I'm going to be representing. There was a lot of conjecture that Representative Shemed Dogan lost his race for county executive because his first name is unusual. Your last name is Haruza. Did you feel like you needed to get out there and spend money and campaign so you didn't suffer the same fate as him? Well, that that that's a very good point. Uh, in my name being somewhat unusual and my opponent's name uh, uh, is, is a, I, I call it friendlier sounding name almost. So it was really important to uh, um, to make sure people know that uh, you know that I am a regular person. I'm an okay person. I'm a, um, a common sense, pragmatic um, individual. The other thing that I thought was a bit unusual is that myself, uh, I have my name Haruza is a um, is certainly um, not a Jewish name. Yet I am Jewish, while my opponent's name. Shank is a Jewish-sounding name, yet he is not Jewish. The Jewish Light just had an article about that, how many people with Jewish names may not be Jewish. Oh, that is a great point, and I want to tell you why, not to interrupt. My last name is Rosenbaum. I am Jewish. I have two sisters with the last name Rosenbaum. They are Lutheran. So you should not assume that just because you have a Jewish-sounding name, that that person is Jewish. I, I think that it comes exactly to the, to, the, to my think in general is that I, I'm running, I like to say I'm running on individual liberty, responsibility, and opportunity. And it's the, the stress on the individual, that we are all individuals in this country, and everybody has that opportunity as an individual, and you do not want to really, really label anyone based on some other extrinsic factors. So I first met you when 
St. Louis County Republicans selected Mark Montavani to replace Catherine Pinner as their county executive candidate. Do you think the fact that Republicans have somebody who is going to be spending money and campaigning aggressively for that job could have a trickle-down effect on candidates like yourself? Well, certainly having a serious candidate uh, for the county executive race, I think, will be will be helpful to my campaign, as it is for uh, for the Senate U.S. Senate candidate if you have a strong one, and for congressional uh, district. When you when you're on the on the ballot lower down on the ballot, who's up above you on the ballot is really important. Uh, um, but I think uh, I plan to win the race on my own rights, not running on someone's coattails. So I'm, I'm going to be out there, and I am out there uh, talking to the voters and really uh, letting them getting to know me and, and realizing that I am the, I'm the right person for them to vote for. What are some issues that people in the 24th District are telling you are important to them? Well, uh, as part of the can, uh, part of running for office, of course, vo- speaking to voters, and I've been now in the all the different uh, all the different towns, the twelve towns in the district, uh, talking to voters. And the the number one issue that I that I get is the um, is the economy, especially inflation. Uh, and close behind on that is uh, difficulty for small business owners that I talk to is finding uh, finding people to work in there. Um, uh, to work in their business, and I, I, I experience that. I take care of skin cancer patients, and I find that I, ca- I cannot find enough staff to, uh, to take care of all those patients. I have to cut my schedule back, not because of lack of patients, but because we just cannot get staff to come to work. So that's really the number one issue. The other, other issue, uh, there's a lot of angst about education and about um, some aspects of education and what is being taught at schools, but also um, how schools are performing in terms of in general overall, not just for the for the individuals. Because if we're fortunate in the district, we actually have some very good school districts. And uh, um, public safety is, is is really number three. Public safety, um, we have had a, we had a significant uptick in property crime primarily in my district, um, but. Um, Often, when you start with pro- uh, increased property crime, ultimately that will follow with uh, with some more serious crimes. And so, I think it's really important for us to address uh, address public safety. And now, you're not in Jefferson City right now, but as we're recording this, which is on September fifteenth, twenty twenty two, at nine forty nine and fifty eight seconds, um, lawmakers are debating um, tax cuts and how to cut taxes. Um, I think one of the ideas that the governor wants is to accelerate an existing tax cut so that people in Missouri would pay 4.8% instead, I think, 5.4 or 5.3%. Now, again, I know you're not in Jefferson City. You don't have the bill in front of you. But what do you think of the overall conceptual idea about cutting the income tax? Well, I think taxes uh, have one purpose is to generate revenue but the other purpose is taxes uh, also are used to incentivize behavior if you reduce the marginal tax rate which is what this uh, legislation would do that incentivizes behavior such as more entrepreneurship more work people will work a little bit more if they get to keep more of their own money that they have earned so i'm a I'm a big believer in uh, keeping the tax burden on Missourians as low as possible 
so that they can do what uh, th- they are better equipped to know what to do with their money. One of the things that has been striking to me when doing some of the math, and I'm, I'm a journalist, so math is usually not my strong suit, is that the benefit of this particular tax cut really seems kind of underwhelming. My wife and I make a little over $100,000, and we would get about a $700 benefit from lowering the income tax, which is not no money, but that doesn't even pay for a month of daycare. It may pay for two or three trips to the grocery store. If you make less money than that, you're going to get even less than $700. So I think what Democrats are saying is that's just not worth it when it could put the state's long-term financial health at risk. What, what do you think about that? Well, uh, first off, I certainly would not, uh, I certainly trust that they, if they're going to doing the tax cut, that they're going to make sure that there that there that there is sufficient resources to do that. Certainly, the government uh, now has the biggest budget surplus they've ever had. So um, uh, that and I th- and I think they will, I'm sure, put also in uh, measures in so that if the revenue isn't there, that the tax cuts uh, as they graduated will not uh, not come through. Since uh, state taxes tend to be a relatively small part of the overall tax burden, any tax cut is going to be relatively modest. It's really the aggregate benefit that I'm that I'm thinking of uh, for the economy, and uh, to have, for example, businesses and workers having a little bit more. Well, then they they can support uh, their local business to purchase some more items uh, that they have. Well, you mentioned education too. What would you like to see the state do in the realm of education? So education, we have real challenge with the underperforming schools, especially in the city of St. Louis, Kansas City, and 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 some of the suburbs, where it's considered adequate um, for accreditation if the school has a uh, has a twenty percent reading level at at, at grade level, twenty percent students. Uh, read at grade level, and some schools are accredited even if they are below that. And to me, that is totally unacceptable. We certainly have to make sure that there are enough resources, but we need to really work on the accountability about what happens with those resources so that they're deployed appropriately. The other part is um, parents really need to know what their kids are being taught at school and also have involvement, engagement. Ultimately, success of students is not just based on the school, but, uh, but parental involvement is really crucial. So there was a Parents' Bill of Rights that was proposed last year, and it did not uh, pass. I certainly would be supportive of that uh, uh, that type of uh, legislation, as well as I am a, a, a proponent of uh, having choice in education. My kids went to uh, my kids went to Ledoux, to MICDS, to Visitation, to St. Gerard Magella, all, sc- all very good schools, and we were able to do that. 90% of um, parents don't have that choice. They have to go to whatever school that their child is assigned to. So I do, I do think that they should have the choice as well to go to a school which works best for them, for their family, and for their for their student. Well, let's drill down on both of those things a little bit more. So when you say that there should be more choice, there is currently like a tax credit program that allows for private entities 
more easily to do scholarships so people can go to private schools. Would you like to see that expanded? Would you want to see like direct state money going to vouchers so people could use that for choice? Like what would you what would you actually want to see from a practical standpoint? I, I, I will tell you one of those, my, my thing would be all of the above. So you'd have um, possibilities as you mentioned, scholarships, uh, also, uh, though, th- there's that foundation formula, which uh, which was fixed this this year, where it had been that uh, charter schools did not get uh, equal balance uh, to public schools. So that has been fixed. I would want to expand uh, significantly the access for students to access um, uh, charter schools beyond the, the very limited areas where they can do that. And as far as the Parents' Bill of Rights, you're, you're talking basically about making sure parents know about the curriculum, guest speakers, sort of what's going on in their school, correct? Uh, correct. That the, the, the Parents' Bill of Rights just makes sure that parents know it's, a, it's really transparency, so that parents know what is, what is going on, and then they make the, can make the choice if they feel that some things may or may not be appropriate for their children uh, to be exposed to. I think that one you probably listened to the episode with Representative McCreary. What she's saying is that voters are not huge fans of the state government providing like a top-down micromanaging approach to school districts. Are you hearing sort of the same thing when you're going door to door? Well, I'm myself. I would. Uh, I I agree that in general the government should be devolved to the lowest level so that. Um, School decisions should be made at the local level as much as possible. The government, the state government, should get only involved when there are real problems there. So, for example, I would think the state government should be involved in uh, what's happening in the in the in the city of St. Louis, where the schools are underperforming, because they they have the state government does have a responsibility to make sure that the kids there get a get a good quality education. So if the local government uh, entities are not able to do it, then the state government should come in. But I do agree with, I do agree with uh, with uh, Representative McCreary that whenever possible, decisions should be done made locally. Yeah, because I think the concept of a parent's bill of rights that simply provides like information to parents, while I'm sure that there's some pushback against that, I would not say it's as controversial as saying well, you can't teach certain diversity curriculum in schools, which I know is kind of like colloquially called the critical race theory issue, but a lot of lawmakers want to go well beyond specifically critical race theory and ban any sort of diversity curriculum. Based off that answer you gave, I'm guessing you're less comfortable with things like that on a state level? So so I don't believe the state should be... Uh, mandating very specific uh, items of, of curriculum that is ultimately for the, for the um, uh, school boards to decide. But I do think parents should know what it is being what is being taught and they should certainly have the option to opt out if they feel mentioned critical race theory, if they feel uncomfortable or they, they, they really feel I say I feel that schools should be teaching students how to think and not what to think and that is where where I, I feel that it's really those kinds of what I call social engineering issues ideally should be really discussed mostly at home. Yeah, and I, I think what a lot of people would say is 
I don't think critical race theory specifically is being t- taught in high schools or lower than that because I think it's a college level law school course. But there could be, again, what I'm broadly calling diversity curriculum that people may object to. Right, and I, and as I said, you know, to me, I think the, the key thing here is transparency. Just parents should know what it is, what's being taught, and then. They can, they, can, uh, they, they can make the decision. We'll be right back after this quick break with Republican George Haruza. And we're back on Politically Speaking with Dr. George Haruza. He is the Republican nominee in the 24th District Senate race. So I think that one issue that is top of mind of some voters is the fact that Roe versus Wade has been overturned, which meant that Abortion is illegal in Missouri except for medical emergencies. Now, again, you're coming into this as a person who did not vote on that bill and is has really no voting record. But I'm sure that a lot of people in this district want to know what your position on abortion rights are and if you're comfortable with the status quo in Missouri, which is you cannot get an abortion here except if it's a medical emergency. So that is a that is an issue that is very personal for many people. Uh, I, for one, have a, have a special needs son, and to me, the thought of him having been aborted for convenience um, and not be here with us would be heart-rending. And I know that he himself finds joy and, and fulfillment in his life in spite of it being quite limited. The, the debate that, that's out there is, well, where, at what point to, to me, this, the state involvement is at what point does the chi- the the baby gain rights while in the womb? Some people feel there are no such things, and the abortion all the way to to delivery is is reasonable. And others feel it happens at at, at um, point of conception. So that is a debate that that certainly is ongoing, and very lots of ethic ethicists get involved. And that is what I think we we may be discussing in the legislature and possibly at the at the um, uh, I think the voters may at some point uh, weigh in on it. My feeling on the on the um, on the law is that uh, in Missouri the law is too restrictive. I'm a physician. I've taken care of women and and, and believe in uh, supporting women's health. And I've also taken care of babies and children. Even though I'm a dermatologist, we do see patients with those as well. So uh, it, I, I think that we uh, we do need uh, uh, to look at having uh, having exceptions for a mother's health, not just a medical emergency, but mother's health. Uh, rape and incest should be um, uh, should be allowed. The other other aspect to this, which I think we can more agree on, this the, this issue is very divisive and very emotional, and. Uh, I think um, I'm going to try to come up with pragmatic comments and solutions that we can most most of us can agree on, and certainly representing my district. Yeah, because right now it's zero unless it's medical emergencies. Would you be more comfortable if it was? I, know, I think that there's a 15 week ban that's being floated nationally. I think that's the situation in Florida. Would you be comfortable with something like that? Well, I think that that's that that's the, that's where the debate is. It's wh- wh- where is that where is that fine point, and I'm really not fully wedded to any specific week. You know, I think that our bill actually in Missouri has the bill in Missouri, the legislation in Missouri. I think has the 
It's the um, heartbeat burial, it's called, so that's about eight weeks. Fifteen weeks is uh, when, the, when the baby can uh, sense pain. Then you get to 23 weeks is, is when, you, when it can be li- viable. And just to be clear for our listeners, it was eight weeks unless Roe versus Wade was overturned. Again, it's zero weeks because Roe versus Wade was overturned. Had it not been overturned, it would have been eight weeks. That's well, basically what you're saying. Well, th- th- thank, you for, thank you for clarifying that because uh, <laughs> since I wasn't in the legislature, exactly. I might not know every now, detail. I, I just want to make sure <laughs> so. our listeners are clear what you're talking about, but continue. But, uh, but so, t- so to me, that, that decision, I don't really have a firm number. I, actually, what I'm interested in is hearing from, from the voters, and I'm talking to the voters in the district. Uh, even though it doesn't come up very often, we do discuss it. And I, my, my thought on that will really be informed by some of that aspect. The other thing that I do want to stress is that the areas we can agree on is, to me, abortion for convenience. I think it would be much better to, to have uh, robust, easy access to birth control so that there is no need for, uh, that there would be no need for abortion. And also for a woman that chooses to carry to term and is not ready to have a child, to make it very easy to adopt. And finally, the, uh, uh, that we have this uh, limited postpartum care that's available in Medicare, and I would, ex- I, would, I would support expanding that to 12 months from the, uh, uh, from the current 60 days. There's some conjecture that this issue is going to energize supporters of abortion rights and make it harder for people like you, who are Republicans, to win races. Are you seeing that dynamic when you're campaigning for this job? Uh, so I've been I've been to go, uh, meeting voters for <coughs> for uh, for a number of uh, well a couple of months now maybe three months now and um, abortion I th- I can probably count on one hand the number of times abortion has come up as a significant issue because when I come to doors I always ask what is well what's top of mind what are the issues that matter and it really comes up very rarely. Now, you mentioned that another issue you're hearing is about public safety. And I saw on your website you're against, quote, unquote, defunding the police. W- what do you mean by that? Well, uh, over the last couple of years, there have been, especially certainly in 2020, uh, we had lots of push and debates on the, primarily on the Democratic side, to push for reducing funding for police. And, um, and there are other laws that 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 that, 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 that that also a problem problem has to do with uh, no bail laws and uh, um, no cash bail laws and 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 such, as well as not having prosecutors uh, really executing on their duty of of actually enforcing the law. So the number of forces that have uh, combined to to really, in my opinion, leading to a significant increase in in crime. So I don't think. Defunding or reducing funding for police is the answer. The other aspect is so so if you go to support the police, fully fund them. Kansas City tried to defund the police, and the, that's where that's one setting where where the state, for example, uh, uh, needed to step in to keep keep that from happening. Uh, it has not happened yet in St. Louis, so. I think we are. No, in fact, the opposite has happened in St. Louis. And you, you transitioned into my next question really well. There's been pretty substantial sales tax increases in St. Louis and St. Louis County. And I, I'm a St. Louis County voter. I don't think crime has noticeably gotten better since we have invested 
tens and tens of millions of dollars into public safety. Um, I'm not arguing that like cutting police would be good, but isn't that an example of just pouring more money into law enforcement and public safety does not m- lead to m- less crime? So uh, it, it, it's, a, it's a multifactorial, I mentioned the multifactorial issues that are involved. So you, you do have to fully fund the police and you also have to make sure that um, the, poli- the policing you execute is, is appropriate. But to me, fully funded police also means having enough police officers. So I'm a, I'm a big subscriber to what, um, uh, uh, I was in New York when uh, Rudy Giuliani was mayor and he was able to drastically reduce crime with, with, uh, with Chief Bratton because they, they had the um, broken windows policy. So that means policing where you're, you really enforce the laws across the spectrum because uh, minor crimes, if they are not enforced uh, or dealt with, then leads to more serious crimes. The other aspect of, um, of cr- criminality has to do with uh, that the vast majority of crimes are pre- caused by very few individuals, and vast majority of those tend to be repeat offenders. So if you, uh, if you have someone commits a crime and they get a slap on the wrist and they're sent they're, they're send back out on the street to commit more crimes, that does not um, improve uh, improve the environment, and that is where the prosecutors uh, come in and, and no bail laws. We don't have a no bail law in Missouri, which is great, but we do uh, seem to have a, uh, the prosecutors seem to uh, abuse their discretion of enforcing crimes. So I think that the reason why ideas like defund the police have come about is that there has been this nationwide focus about the relationship between police and African-Americans, and this belief that this relationship has been frayed and broken for a long time. What would you want to do as a legislator to engender more trust between law enforcement and black people? Well, that's a, that's a great question. The, um, I had the opportunity to, um, uh, to, um, uh, to uh, at the Back the Blue uh, event last weekend, uh, and on. Uh, Captain Dorn's wife, who was killed uh, during the uh, looting and rioting in downtown St. Louis, uh, defending a friend's uh, shop, and uh, I can tell you that on that side of the of the, of the fence, and also the fact that the vast majority of violent crime happens t- is is perpetrated on. Uh, members of the African American community and and other under underrepresented groups, that they as a group are not in favor of reducing police. They want more police presence in their communities because those are the uh, they are the ones that are the most hurt and affected by the crimes, so uh, by the criminals. So I I don't think they as a group feel that way. I, there are, as in any profession, there are going to be bad apples, and so that's really important to root those out, because th- anytime you have those terrible incidents that happen like that, they then, of course, feed that uh, that narrative that somehow police, all police, are bad. We have that happen in in medicine too. Physician, a physician does something bad, well, it reduces trust in all physicians. So we do have to, uh, I think the, uh, the, the way to, to, to reduce that problem is, one is not to demonize the police in the media, 
because that is, again, because of one bad cop or two bad cops, you paint the other hundreds of thousands of cops that, r that really do a good job. And my experience with police has been in Czechoslovakia, they were there to terrorize the population. You wouldn't go to police for help because they were there to keep you in line. Well, in the United States, I've experienced them as public servants. I think, uh, th so training and also community policing, very important. The, the, the key thing is for the police to actually get out of their squad cars and, and, and walk the beat to, yeah. to really get the community to be comfortable with them. And I think that one of the, the endemic issues, even in the 24th district, is this belief that uh, some of the departments engage in racial profiling for traffic stops. There's a report that's done every year, but there's not really like any anything that is done if it's found that a department engages in racial profiling. Is that something that should be looked at, that there should be some punitive penalties against departments that are not doing their jobs? Certainly, if there is if, if, if there is a racial profiling going on, that is totally unacceptable. I mean, I believe in a colorblind society in every 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 aspect. So, if if there are if there are issues where there is actually racial profiling, then that 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 that, that would be a. I mean, that to me, that's a, that's a big problem. I have a couple more questions about the campaign. Why do you think that you would be a better senator for this district than Representative McCreary? Well, so I've lived in the district for 29 years. My kids have gone to school in the district. So I know my district and what the, uh, uh, and, and I'm also about what the voters and what the issues are. So I can bring that to represent them very effectively in, in, in Jefferson City. I'm not a career politician, which is really important. If, 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 I don't know if you follow the, the news about the dysfunction in, in, in Jefferson City and about things that are not getting done. I'm going there to get things done and also don't have a personal agenda because I am a, I have a great, I've had a great career. I'm not looking to be a career politician. I'm going there to serve the, uh, the um, citizens of, uh, of, of my district. I've taken care of patients, thousands of patients in the district over the, over the years. And so I'm really want to be able to expand that to, to really impact, uh, help all of Missouri, especially in, in the area of healthcare where I feel that I, my, 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 my living in the real world, my ex experience in the real world. Also, being a businessman has uh, uh, helps me uh, to, to know how, how you create jobs, what does it take to create jobs, and, key, and keep, keep, keep a business going. And I think sometimes in Jeff City, just like in D.C., they forget what's happening at the ground, at the ground level. So your opponent released a TV ad that was pretty general recently, but it would not surprise me if the messaging against you is that um, you're just going to do whatever the, and I'm using this word in their words, not mine, crazy Republican extremists in Jefferson City, you're just going to do whatever they say. I want you to preemptively respond well, to that. <clears throat> well, I can tell you, I'm, a, I'm my own man. Because I am not a career politician, and I do have a, have a separate life, to me, I'm no, I'm going, and I don't know anybody any favors. I'm going there to to do what's right for the for the for the residents of Missouri. And um, you know, my when people ask me, people ask me, well, what 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 kind of Republican are you? Because that does come up. And I do say I I view myself as a Reagan Republican, 
and not only because of the of the fact that he liberated Czechoslovakia, you know that does uh, I credit him with liberating Czechoslovakia by having Soviet Union uh, collapse. But to me, that that kind of encompasses about where I am at, and I'm certainly not answerable to any party uh, position, especially if it's if it's all the way on the extremes. I'm a pragmatic, common sense individual. So this is pretty much the only competitive state senate race in the state, which means both parties are going to pay very close attention to it, and there could be a lot of money and manpower that goes into making sure this district is won by either side. How does this change? this race for you? Well, for me, it, it's actually very exciting because you know, I've, I've been president of five organizations and the ones that I found the most, uh, most satisfying is the ones where it was actually the most competitive race because I've run those races. I know it's not public office, but it, it, is, it, 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 it focuses you more so that, so that I al- and also makes sure that I know what my district needs, what they, what, what, what the, what the, what the um, uh, voters really, really want and need from Jeff City, so I can bring it there. And uh, to me, if it's a close race, it's a much more, um, it's, it's, it's a more robust, it's exciting, and and so we, we, we're we're looking forward to it. Well, we're already in the middle of it, but we are certainly looking forward to it. We are definitely in the thick of it. And as I mentioned before, if you want to listen to Dr. Haruza's opponent. State Representative Tracy McCurry on Politically Speaking. Just go to stlpr.org where you can find all of our political coverage. Political, politically Speaking is a product of St. Louis Public Radio, which is a part of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. You can follow me on Twitter at Jay Rosenbaum. And how could people find out more about your campaign, either on the Internet, through Carrier Pigeons? Uh, I'm trying to think of some other jokey communication dissemination device, but just how can people find out more about your campaign? Well, it's uh, haruzaformissouri.com. Haruzaformissouri.com will will take you to the website, and we're also on Facebook um, with the same uh, same moniker. Thank you very much, and until next time, much, and until next time, 